Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with episode 30 of the Impact Investing Podcast. And Tom, this week, we're talking about Prince Harry. <laughs> There's been too much talk about Prince Harry. I don't think we need to add to that noise. Well, that's what I've prepared anyway. No, all right, well, we'll do it. I've got a lot to say. No, this week, we're talking about... Um, well, we've talked about a couple of things. One is what's going on at Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom's way of uh, making every episode of this podcast about his hero, his idol, his spiritual you need god. To stop spreading these vicious Elon rumors, Musk. fake news. <laughs> and um, we're going to look at why that the share price is down from its peak about seventy percent. Yeah, um, it's down about. It put that into dollar terms. It's down about eight hundred billion. Yeah, or about twenty twitters, depending on how you want to think about it. Quite a lot. Um, but, um, and we're going to look at, so Tesla, what's going on there? And then we're going to look at um, the electric vehicle space from a sort of sustainability and impact point of view, and particularly the supply chain yep. of some of the uh, materials and, and mining that, go, that goes on to supply, particularly things like cobalt for batteries. Mm-hmm. And then, Tom, I think you've got a couple of good news stories for us to, to end with. I have to finish on a positive. So, Tom, tell us all about your favourite person, and one of his companies, Tesla, Elon Bef- Musk and Tesla. Be- before I uh, go into that, I'll talk about my favourite podcast, which is this podcast, <laughs> <clears throat> and where we are currently on the global charts. I think it's one of the favourite podcasts for the people of Nigeria as well. Well, at the moment. well, we've now entered the Nigerian <laughs> podcast charts, obviously going strong in the old faithfuls of Uganda and Singapore. Um, so thank you. And back in the Polish charts, out of the Australian um, someday, hopefully, maybe we'll feature in the charts of this country, Great Britain, but we'll see. I doubt it. I doubt it. Anyway, our old friend Elon Musk, not my hero anymore. Please edit the old clips. <laughs> um, so what's going on? Yeah, so as you mentioned, the, the valuation down 70% from $1.2 trillion last year to about $340 billion at the time of recording. So that's an $860 billion nosedive. Um, and it's made Musk the first person in history to lose $200 billion on, on paper, which sounds like quite a lot, um, something he could probably do without. Um, so Tesla's still still very, very valuable as a compared to the other car makers. Um, so Ford is about $50 billion as a, as a business, and Tesla recently lost one Ford in a day um, <laughs> recently. So it's still it's still valued quite highly um, compared to the other car makers and on an earnings basis. So when you look at it as, as an earnings multiple, it's about 31 times. So I think average over history of comparable businesses is about 15, 20 times earnings yeah. as a price. So it's still valued high, but it's a massive drop. So I think we should just probably put into context that you know, the reason that we want to talk about Tesla is not only because you know this is one of the biggest stock market drops yeah. in history, but I think you can get out of this um, that when you look at companies that we talk about companies that are innovating in technology at scale, that are changing industries, these are companies of the future, blah, blah, yeah. blah. <clears throat> that's just because you find a company that maybe looks like that, like Tesla does, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's going to perform well as an investment. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about the reasons for that. And and it's also one of the most interesting companies because it's it's famously, and Elon Musk spoken about this, it's it doesn't stack up as an ESG company. Yeah. There's a debate about whether it's an impact company. Yeah. And I think it's one of those companies where a lot of people have gone and bought the individual stock themselves and yeah. maybe not thought about 
how it fits in the context of a wider <clears throat> investment portfolio. So maybe we'll touch on a couple of those things, but that's yeah. why we wanted to to cover it off today. Yeah, and I think you know, it's been it's been seen as one of the more controversial impact stocks over the year, but years, but a lot of impact portfolios historically and until recently, it would have been one of the biggest holdings in in the vast majority of them. So it has been a bit of a whilst controversial in, in impact investing circles, still a bit of an impact darling for yeah. a lot of the for a lot of the impact funds. And it's also, we've we touched on this a few times, you know, last year and, and recently, it's symptomatic of the changing tides in financial markets and what, what investors in listed capital markets and in other investment markets are valuing from a company. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of Tesla's stock price historically has baked in massive continuous growth in revenue and sales of their, yeah. uh, their electric vehicles. And what people are now prioritizing more is, um, is more value from a, from a, from from purchasing a stock perspective, uh, better earnings quality, um, and less of a weight given to like future growth potential. Yeah. And so what you've had recently with Tesla, it's like a bit of a perfect storm that's been going on, and this is the reason why it's obviously come crashing down. So we've obviously had the, the era of easy money that's ending. You know, inflation and uh, and interest rates have gone up, and Tesla has now for three consecutive quarters missed its sales estimates. Mm-hmm. So he's still selling a decent number of cars, and it's still growing. Still those growing. Sales. Still growing those sales. It's still uh, selling more than it has. But what happens in global stock markets is each quarter you issue your forecasts for what you expect to sell and your revenue numbers. And then as you get to the end of the quarter and the beginning of the new quarter, you then communicate to the financial markets what you've actually hit. And for the last three of those, they've not hit the numbers that they expected. And therefore they've been punished for that. And a a few things behind what's going into that. Number one is China is a huge market for for Tesla. And China have been very, very strict on their zero COVID uh, policy, which has kind of reduced demand in one of their biggest markets. They've also had issues in the in the factories in China because of because of COVID lockdowns as well. Um, so Tesla responded to those uh, to those uh, problems in various geographies by um, starting to discount their cars. Which they've never done before. Which they've never done before. And that's led to recently actually protests in China from people that have recently bought the full priced car and now they're offering discounts. So it's actually, I think it was, I don't know if it was the Financial Times had it, uh, a video and, a, and and some images of like of like picket lines with people with placards protesting at Tesla, at Tesla factories around around China, um, and obviously it's interacting at the time of like general cost of living crisis in uh, in Europe and, and the US and, and a lot of the world. And this is a premium price car; like yeah. the cheapest cars like fifty grand. Yeah, so it's already an expensive car. So people who might have been able to just stretch on finance or leasing or, or purchasing one of those cars are obviously going to are going to think twice right now. Those are some of the economic factors. And then the other thing that's been obviously weighing on Tesla and the other companies that that Elon Musk runs like SpaceX is, where is his focus? Mm -hmm. Um, He's currently the CEO of Twitter and on paper Tesla and on paper SpaceX. Um, And a lot of, for the first time really, a lot of the shareholders of of Tesla have started to kind of question what he's doing. And one of the major shareholders recently was communicating to the board that they should hire and they should fire him and hire another CEO. Yeah. And so that's created a bit of a <clears throat> a perfect storm for the Tesla stock price. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is as well is if you go back a few years, Tesla was, was, was really the only company making a proper viable electric vehicle. Mm. Now, what's happened is the rest of the market has responded. Yeah. There's not there's not only is the, is, you know, the more traditional automakers, BMW, Volkswagen, Ford, all those type of people, Mercedes, are now coming out with, with fully electric ranges and hybrid ranges and, and, and the market is getting more competitive and the, and their their versions of the electric cars are also getting yeah. better. But there's also the the other electric vehicle makers that are yeah. that are on the scene. Now they've they've also 
all dropped in, in share price. So these are names that you may not have heard of, but Rivian, Lucid, Neo, uh, Nickel, these type of companies, they're all down mm. similar sort of levels and probably for the same reasons as they were being valued like a Tesla and, yeah. now, and now the, the market's yeah. sort of shifted. I mean, to put it into context though, Tesla is still as valuable as sort of Toyota, Volkswagen, Mercedes, mm. General Motors, BMW, and Ford all combined. Yeah. So, I mean, it's dropped down from probably what you'd say was ludicrous um, valuation levels, but yeah. it's, it's still, it's still, you know, it's still a huge company and it's still, yeah. it's still priced, um, you know, it's still priced at, at a premium valuation compared to all of those, um, competitors yeah and i think there's a recognition in that premium pricing there's, there's a huge debate like in in investment analyst circles of how you value tesla yeah is it a tech company is it a car company it's somewhere in between yeah anyone who's, who has looked into it and, and knows the technology knows that it does have a te- it does have a technology advantage on the other electric car makers and there is a superior experience also as a brand factor there's a musk factor that's all kind of baked into it um but it, it it's probably now getting punished for all those for those factors but it's still doing well in a lot of the world if you look yeah. at norway's is is, is a is a country which is kind of ahead of the ahead of the curve when it comes to electric vehicle adoption but 80 percent of the cars sold last year in norway were were electric vehicles and Tesla's the biggest part of that as 12% of the total market. And that's true of other, you know, European countries as well. Um, yeah. and their transition. So it's not like this is the end of the road for the Tesla stock price. It's just that people are now valuing growth less than they were before. And now you've got these other factors that are, that are hitting Tesla. So it's come down a colossal amount, but it was one of those companies that during COVID had, had gone up too much. You know, yeah. I think Musk even admitted that himself. Is like the stock price was getting to a point of it being absolutely unjustifiably crazily high. Yeah. And it became a little bit of a mania meme stock itself yeah. during that time period. And this is probably a, a, a correction that needed to happen, although it's just probably happened at the worst possible time for him as an individual, given the, what he's doing. And it's happened very fast. And there's a lot of retail investors that own Tesla. If you look at any of the brokerage platforms where you can buy single line stocks and, and you know, inverted commas day trade, the number one stock they sell is Tesla. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, uh, by, by far by, and away. By yeah. far. It's like 50% of the assets on some of these retail single line stock platforms are in, are in Tesla. And then it's like the other big, the other big tech names. So they, the, those are individuals that have been hit very, very hard because of what's been happening in the stock price. Yeah. And I think, I think it, it sort of, it, it highlights, um, you know, this is the difficulty yeah. is that you could have invested in, in Tesla, you know, five, six years ago and held and you'd yeah. still be up. And you could have, if you'd have sold at the peak, you'd have done exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very, very hard to A, accurately value a company like Tesla. Yeah. And B, even if you think you have accurately valued a Tesla, it may not necessarily be reflected yeah. in in the in the price that the share trades at for various yeah. different reasons. You yeah. know, as we know, all all stocks all stocks get dragged around with the with the market and yeah. and different factors of you know economic factors and sentiment factors affect individual share prices i mean i think charlie munger who is warren buffett's business partner said he wouldn't buy tesla but he also wouldn't sh- sell it short he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah. bet against it because it's just one of those it's one of those stocks that you know nobody quite knows where its sort of terminal market share will be if you like no one quite knows whether some of the other technologies it's investing in clean energy and all the rest of it will come and be a greater share of the company you know no one quite knows where it will end up on sort of being a a, a part of the commercial vehicle market or automated vehicle market etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's it's a volatile stock even in the, probably in the best of times and 
we're not in the best of times yeah. uh, for a stock like Tesla, where you're where you're pricing out bigger future earnings. Mm. Yeah, there's a guy who used to. Uh, I don't know if he still works there now. Was a, a Barclays investment banking analyst who used to cover Tesla, and he he was always against the stock. And up until recently, he's been against it for ten years. So he's done he's done negatively on that call. He's now if he's still there, he's now doing positive on it. But he described it as it's the red red pill blue pill stock. You're either completely for it or you're completely against it. Yeah. A lot of people who always looked at it purely on like a metrics basis. Yeah. We're always we're against it. Investment analysts looking at the numbers on a spreadsheet were like, this doesn't make any sense until you get to huge, huge numbers. Yeah. And people were just like, We love Elon Musk and we love and we love Tesla and we're willing to go on that ride. And it's worked very, very well up until now. Yeah. Well if you, you know, if you price it as an automaker, you'd never invest in it. <clears throat> you'd never invest. Yeah. If you if you price it as a as a company that's gonna transform tr- transport and energy and all these other things, then you might say it's undervalued. Yeah. I mean, you, if you even if you look at it as a tech stock and not an automaker, some people saying, is it Nokia? Yeah. You know, is it the company that went out and created the market mm. and developed the technology and showed, showed everyone how it was done? And then a load of other companies or incumbents or whatever come and just take over. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to know. And I think the point is, is we, we don't, you know, we've never ever talked so much about an individual stock no. on this podcast and we don't, we don't, you know, through through our app and through our platform, you can't even buy or sell individual stocks no. because we don't think it's the it's necessarily the way to go. So to be clear, this yeah. this is not an advert or a recommendation no. to go and buy or sell or sell short Tesla. Um, it's just pointing out that you know it's a complicated it's a complicated situation. It's complicated, and I think it, for a lot of people working impact investing, you know, who were doing it in listed markets, it, it, Tesla was their first foray into impact investing. Yeah. Here's a company that's using technology to solve a world problem. And there was a lot of goodwill behind it. And that's why it gets so much publicity, plus Musk is who he is. Another interesting dynamic for Musk as an individual is, he's obviously bought Twitter recently. There's probably two interesting dynamics here. The first is, because of his now, his changing political stance, which is evident, is he now putting off a lot of Tesla's core buyer market? Mm. You know, people who are, who there's a good chunk of those people who are, obviously pro-climate and that's why they went there and the high earning people who are pro-climate um and now he's kind of changing his allegiance will mm-hmm. that have a, an impact probably not in the grand scheme of things the other the other thing is a lot of a, he bought twitter using debt that was marked against the uh, the value of tesla shares and so as the tesla shares continue to go down he may get effectively margin called on, mm-hmm. on his on his twitter debt so he may have to start funding more of that twitter debt himself and finding money elsewhere at a time where his net wealth has is kind of started to crater. Yeah. And so now he's he's an individual who's worth about 150 billion um dollars himself. So not too bad still. I think he can afford to go to poor, Tesco poor still guy. do a do a weekly big shop. Um but he most of that wealth is now coming from SpaceX um right, as yeah. opposed to Tesla, which has never been the case before uh, because of the Tesla well, it had never been the case for a for a while because of the Tesla stock price. Um so yeah, interesting. What one thing I thought was worth mentioning before we move on to discuss a huge component part of Tesla, which is the battery, the battery technology, and what goes into that is um, some slightly more positive news. If you're a if you're a Musk fan for the dwindling number, like, like you, uh, there's a. I mean, I've set up a fan club a while ago. The numbers are the numbers are falling down. There's just me in it. Um, so the, it's on SpaceX. So SpaceX obviously have this. Te- they have this technology called Starlink, which is uh, which is satellites that bring internet access to, to countries all around the world. They, they service forty five countries at the moment. Um, it only launched in two thousand nineteen, and it now provides um, 
over half of the working satellites globally. So they've had this huge meteoric rise in the number that that that, that they're launching. Um, and recently, it's been a huge positive for 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 the war in Ukraine. So Musk or SpaceX supplied um, supplied Ukraine um, with uh, the satellite technology for free, and it's massively been helping the civilian and military efforts there. Whilst they've had you know some of the other access um, obviously cut down because of what's happened with. Uh, with the Russian invasion. So a positive there. There's now about 150,000 daily users in Ukraine of the Starlink technology. Um, there's rumours actually now that Musk will look to, or rather it's Gwyneth Shotwell, who's the COO, who, she, who actually runs SpaceX. It's not Musk. Um, that she's looking to IPO Starlink as a separate entity yeah. to raise money for the core SpaceX business. So basically list Starlink as a company on the stock yeah. market, get billions in and use that to, to help fund the, the broader uh, SpaceX effort. So we'll interesting to see what happens in that in the coming years. Yeah. So we're moving on from Tesla. Um, and slightly. Slightly, but we're looking at um, something that was prompted by an article that we read this week about um a, a re-education when it when it when it comes to uh, electric vehicle supply change and, and particularly around mining. So the the issue that you've got when you're looking at electric vehicles is that you know if we transition the world from fossil fuel driven uh, transport to clean electric transport, then you know we're going a long way to solving yeah. um, the, the climate problem. The issue is that to produce an electric car, and in particular the rechargeable lithium-ion batteries in them, yeah. requires a lot of material to yeah. be dug out of the ground. Yeah. And when you look in um, more closely at that, those supply chains, there's, there's very, very often a lot of stuff in there that you might not like, especially yeah. if you're an impact investor, especially if you're looking to invest in that market for, yeah. for the impact credentials of it. So... So, Tom, kick us off on Yeah, on so I think, it, obviously, the battery technology within electric vehicles and within our phones and within other areas of the renewable energy transition is heavily reliant on mining metals like lithium, nickel, nickel and cobalt. Um, and mining companies and mining historically has not been the most sustainable and impactful endeavour. So, obviously, it takes a lot of energy to do it, a lot of water, and the mining conditions are... Are really bad in a lot of countries. Yeah, I don't. There's a there's a there's a there's a video link. I don't know if you can share it in the notes or whatever. Um, you know, something high tech that you normally take care of in the podcast notes. But there's a there's a guy who was interviewed. I'm, on, I'm not sure my uh, technical ability stretches to copy and paste, but I'll try. We'll, we'll get Jacob. He'll <laughs> help us out. Um, but there was a there was actually an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast with a guy in it called uh, Siddharth Kara, who's written a book called Cobalt Red: How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. There's a there's a segment of the podcast that we can share the video, but it just shows you the conditions in particular of the of the cobalt mining. 70, yeah. 70 plus percent of the world's uh, cobalt comes from the Congo and the conditions are really, really um, dire for the people that work in there. It's, it's like child labor, modern slavery. I mean, it's a shocking video. We both, we, you know, we both watched it. You can't ignore it. And so you've got to wrestle with these two things. We want the we, we want electric vehicles and the energy transition. We want um, we want the renewable energy transition. We also but the, we are kind of we are at the mercy of a. Can we get enough of these minerals and metals out of the ground? And b. How can we make that process as sustainable uh, as possible and as good as possible for the people that are actually doing that work? It's like yeah. a bit of an inconvenient truth for like yeah. impact investors and ESG investors or whatever you call it is. Well, the the the, the 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 kind of projected demand of 
electric vehicle uh, needs for batteries over the next 10, 15 years is is impossible to ignore. And it's impossible to say that's not going to happen because you can just see it happening in your day-to-day lives now. And so how are we actually going to supply that transition in the most humane and sustainable way possible? Um, and historically, that's just not been able to be achieved because of uh, you know the countries that, that this is happening in. And it's also like a, an issue that's by these big tech companies pass down the supply chain. Yeah. They don't own the mines. There are a few steps removed. So they can go, well, our company's doing all that we can. And then we use suppliers and then down the chain somewhere, there's this, these awful conditions for companies. Yeah. But it's like the, the, the sweatshops that Apple used to use or Nike used to use or whatever for, for, for their trainers. They can go, well, we've done all we can. And that's, that's someone else's problem. But really it is their problem and they need to start owning it and doing way more the, the, to combat it and change the conditions for those people. Yeah, and this is a particular issue for, for cobalt, as you say, because of, of the, the nature of, of where cobalt yeah. is yeah. in the world. So it's in the Congo. There's around 75% of the market for cobalt comes from a particular area in the south of the Congo. Um, a lot of those mines, a lot of those resources have been bought up by Chinese companies, and then they are now just... You know the, the labor practices in those mines. I mean, you look you look at this video; it's absolutely yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and then and then you know other countries. There's other countries that have cobalt, Morocco, <laughs> Australia, but it's sort of like three percent of the market each in all these other places. Mm. So there's no alternative in terms of geography. Yeah, and then also the demand, as you say, is expected over the next decade to go up like six, seven hundred, eight hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this. You're going to have a huge increase in demand. All of the supply is is in basically one geographical area, and the conditions to get to extract that mineral out of the ground is absolutely shocking at the moment. Yeah. So how do you how do you do it? I mean, just to, just in terms of why it's a problem, particularly when it comes to electric vehicles. I mean, lithium ion batteries are in basically absolutely mm. everything. Mm-hmm. So we've all got rechargeable electronic devices, yeah. laptops, phones, whatever it is. They all have a, a, a lithium ion uh, battery in them, and and they're all basically mm. 75%. Cobalt is a massive component of those batteries because yep. it makes them more efficient. It makes them, uh, you know, makes them more um, better to recharge, better output, all the rest of it. It's a key component. But in electric vehicles, there's about 10 kilograms of refined cobalt in yep. the battery pack, and there's, that's about a 1,000 times more than is in the average smartphone. So mm. if you – obviously right now, smartphones probably outnumber – electric vehicles more than a thousand to one yeah but if electric vehicles become the norm mm. and those, those those grow and they're using a thousand times more than the average phone then obviously you can see why there's going to be a lot of cobalt in the yeah. electric vehicle supply chain and it's going to grow yeah tesla alone so their plans are and obviously take these projections with a pinch of salt to produce 20 the plans are to produce 20 million vehicles per year by 2030 which implies two times the total global supply of the metals that they're using the batteries currently just on their own. Mm. So the, 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 the size of, the, of the, the metal supply market has got to go up so much that they've got to build hundreds of new mines. So how are they going to, you know, how are they going to um, deal with the conditions whilst they're, they're expanding so, so massively? So what can we do about it? You know, people always talk about, well, the battery recycling, that's an option, but it's pretty hard to recycle your way out of like, 10 times worth of demand. That's the trouble is you, if you recycle everything you've got now, yeah. one, they're in use. So you can only recycle yeah. what's one, no longer yeah, yeah. in use. So, and, and two is if demand is going up by 800%, then if you recycle everything you've got now, you've still got, yeah. you've still got a big gap in, in terms of, of, of the demand. So recycling is not going to get you to where you need to be. Yeah. 
The um the the other alternative is people. To, I mean, this is very nascent. There's a lot of talk, uh, conversation about mining the ocean floor as opposed to in you know on, on land. Sounds straightforward. <laughs> sounds, sounds like it'd be easier in a way. <laughs> um, but obviously, strong environmental opposition and you know opposition to the damages it will do to marine life. So that seems like a bit of a pipe dream. Um, so the, the, the quote from a guy Brian Minnell, who's the chairman and CEO of Techmet, who are a Dublin-based firm that's backing companies producing and processing EV uh, battery metals. He said. One of the big solutions is for the big pools of climate change and impact investing ESG capital out there to stop wasting their time with autonomous driving software startups and focus on facts unless they put tens and tens of billions of dollars into mining and metals, albeit ESG compliant and well-managed mining and metals. We're not going to have an energy transition and we're not going to meet the climate change goals. So mining, mining metals, ESG stocks of the future. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. So, Tom, you promised me some good news stories. Yes, some good news. So, climate change-related good news. Just two little pieces of good news to to end on. Uh, and in, kind of con- in conjunction with some of the things that we talked about in our predictions for the year. Um, so, in 2022, uh, green lending um, was on top for the first time ever. So, for the, for the first time, more money was raised in the debt markets for climate-friendly projects than fossil fuel companies. Uh, that's about $580 billion of debt was arranged for renewable energy and other environmentally responsible activities, while oil, gas, and coal industries turned to lenders and underwriters for close to $530 billion. So uh, a narrow lead, but if you look at the trend charts, yeah. it's very, very positive, the momentum's um, in its way. So that's a, that's a, that's a, great, uh, a great bit of news. Yeah, for- it's, it's driven by both decline in the fossil fuel and yeah. the growth in the, in the yeah, green yeah, as yeah. well. So It's like double momentum on that. Yeah. So um, that's great. Kind of... Related to that and related to one of the predictions we made for the year was wind was the second largest source of energy in the UK in 2022. So we had the prediction for this year that globally renewables would outweigh traditional fossil fuels. Um, So last year in the UK, wind energy became the second largest source coming in at 26.8% versus 38.5% for gas. Interestingly, if you include nuclear as a yeah. renewable, which we do, or I'll petition for us to do, <laughs> renewables overall came in at 53.7% for the UK last year. So more than half, um, which is great positive momentum. So with a bit more nuclear, hopefully at some point in the future, it'll be the vast majority. Um, so some positive news there to end the pod. Okay. Well, we'll end it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.